Dear listener, have you ever been listening to the somewhat competent podcast and thought to yourself, hey, I would really like to give Canada, Matt, and, or Dr. Encoda Boggins a piece of my mind? Well, you are in luck. You can reach us by sending an email to somewhatcompetentones at gmail.com. Once again, that is, somewhatcompetentones at gmail.com. You should also already be part of our somewhat competent Facebook page, and if you are not, then why not? Else you can simply click the send message button on our Facebook page. There you can send us your fully competent corrections and serve us grand dissertations on your theories concerning why you think Matt is a total asshole. And, guess, what, else? You can even leave the somewhat competent crew a voicemail. Would you kindly dial 541-901-3106? Why don't you serenade us with your lovely voice through the phone like that one Depeche Mode song? All you must do is dial 541-901-3106. What is it that you are waiting for? We welcome you with the loving open arms of a dangerous carnivore that you have domesticated by feeding kibble. Woof. Woof woof. Get your news here. It's free. Unless you donate, we love that. Booyah. <laughs> I'm ready when you are. All right. Uh, I'm Canada. That's Matt. Our independent researcher is Dr. Inko Toboggins. Um, This is somewhat competent where I look up the news and Inko looks up the news and then we explain it to Matt. Yeah. And like maybe sometimes maybe I read some of the articles ahead of time. Maybe. Yeah. I did ask you to read one today. Yeah, by special request, Matt read a whole article today. <laughs> Dear listener, you have tuned in to Somewhat Competent with your hosts, Canada and Matt. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm ready to fucking get some infotainment. Infotainment? Well, you might be in the the wrong place. (laughs) You be the info, I'll be the taintment. All right. (laughs) Yes. So, uh, first article, young people experiencing widespread psychological distress over government handling of looming climate crisis, researchers say. The youths feel a sense of institutional betrayal brought on by their leaders. This is a study that I think is a bit too late. Um, I mean, it's not too late. Like, it's good that these kids are getting representation. Yeah. Um, But, like, I was distressed when I was a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah, they were distressing me pretty, pretty much, too. I mean, dude, if you remember... Growing up, uh, I, I know our, our generations are just slightly different, but like, I remember like Nickelodeon being like, save the Earth Day, and they would like to de- devote this month to like promoting this one day where they were gonna like have this big day where it's like, all the ads for this day are gonna go to save the Earth, and here are all the things you can do. And it was like, you know, 
maybe don't flush the toilet when it's just pee or, or like make sure your shower is only three minutes long and like don't leave the water running while you're brushing your teeth and and like they put it all on us kids you know that like you gotta save the world because no one else is gonna yeah yeah mm -hmm. and like i mean i remember that i was a little, a little younger than you but not that much younger yeah and um you know i just got to the point where i was like oh there's there's nothing i can do and there's no one who will listen <laughs> I, uh, yeah i was having uh I, I was living out on my friend's property it was an agricultural field and um so i had a campfire there we we had like a little quarter acre that we lived on on the 10 acres yeah. and um there was this other guy who was camped out over there another friend of uh don the guy who owned the property and he um he just, I mean, he was just an unpleasant person to be around. And I just one day I snapped while we were at the campfire and I was like explaining how fucked the world was. And I finished with saying, and I'm going to throw another log on this fire and add CO2 to the atmosphere and bring the end a little bit closer. <laughs> yeah, a, a definite kind of like, I know I've been saying this a lot for other reasons, not on the show, but in conversations I've been talking about existential burnout. And to some extent, the fact that we've known that there's an issue since we were children and that nothing has changed and it's only gotten worse, mm -hmm. I think I think induces a kind of apathy. Yeah, because like we have this this group of people, corporations and old people who either don't believe or don't give a fuck. And right. and they are the ones, you know, corporations have the most control. And elderly people, you know, older folks are the ones who vote the most. And, it, you know, the whole environment creates this apathy that makes younger people not give a shit to vote, which makes things worse. Yeah. You know, it's a cycle. <laughs> yeah. I, unfortunately, I'm not sure how many repetitions of the cycle we're going to have left, you know? That's, you know, I have a, I have a friend who's, you know, I, I'm getting up there in age. I have lots of people I know who have kids now. And uh, I have a friend, and we were talking one day um, during a car ride, and she was talking about how scared she is of climate change and, like, how she's worrying for her kids and what the world's going to be like for them. And I was like, you know, someday they're going to look, they're going to be old enough, and they're going to watch, like, the BBC Nature Channel, and they're going to be like, how is everything so green? And we're like, that's the harsh reality. That was the before four times. Yeah, the before four times. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we are now in the new age or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, so we're they're starting to notice that in general, young people are all kind of getting this taste of apathetic anxiety. They're stressing out. Um, yeah. Like, it's causing, like, like serious anxiety in 15 to 25 year olds. Because they, they know they're going to live long enough to see the repercussions, and they don't know what uh, the fuck to do about it. Yeah, and, and and the machine of society just keeps crunching on. Like, what are you... Well, because the world's going to end from climate change, are you not supposed to go to work? Are you only supposed to work somewhere you can bike to? Or, or should you only take public transportation that takes you two and a half hours to get you someplace that's five miles away? Like... Uh, yeah, what do you do? I mean, 
Everyone start walking more. <laughs> Make like a mat and walk 15 miles a day. It's yeah. good for you. Yeah. I'd rather our ankles gave out than the entire planet. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <clears throat> we could talk about the great ankle problem 40 years from now instead of uh, the burning of the planet. Yeah. Right. Or we could just put in better public transportation, you know? Either one's yeah. So, a man punches a nurse in the face multiple times for giving his wife a COVID vaccine. This is in Canada. Um, basically, what happened is this dude that no one knows who he is or what the fuck... Um, just popped into a pharmacy and started beating the shit out of a nurse, ranting about how they gave his wife a vaccine without his permission. And he's still at large. Um, okay, wait a minute. So, okay, I read the headline to this story, okay? Mm -hmm. I didn't read the whole story, but the picture you have in your head is like, okay, so here are two people, a couple that are like, they're very anti-vax and for whatever reason maybe the wife got in an accident and wasn't was not able to consent to the vaccine and got one anyway and then the husband comes in and is mad but no the the details of the story is an unknown man went into a walgreens screaming about how they gave his wife a vaccination without his permission no one knows if it's even true yeah whether or not said individual who may or... I'm starting to wonder if this guy even really has a wife. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it is... It is fucking ridiculous. There's, he's 30 to 45 years old, 6 feet tall, medium build, dark skin. So, yeah, so you'll, if you live in Canada and you know a guy who doesn't let his wife do anything without his permission, it might be him. Yeah, generic tanned man. Yeah, generic tanned man. I think, never mind. I don't think we should uh, jokingly, I shouldn't jokingly say that we should all go beat him up because there's a lot of generic tan mans out there. Yeah, there are. And even even if we knew exactly who it was, we shouldn't go beat him up. No, that's inciting violence. Is that illegal yeah. in Canada? Inci probably. <laughs> Ca Canadians strike me as the type that wouldn't necessarily want to incite violence. They're pretty chill. I read an article a long time ago about how a Canadian saying sorry for something is not an admission of guilt because it's so ingrained in them to say sorry. Yeah. 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 That strikes me as correct. I, I've, I, I, one of the only foreign countries I've been to is Canada. And like, they were real polite, man. They were real polite. Even the homeless guy who tried to get cigarettes off me when I was 14 was like, hey, how's it going, guy? Are you having a good day? You have any cigarettes? <laughs> and I was like, no. I was like, no. And he's like, I'm sorry. So, you know, that was nice. I'm like, dude, I'm 12. <laughs> but maybe, you know, maybe that's common in Canada. I was at a festival and I was bumming cigarettes off this chick for like two weeks. We bumped cigarettes off each other when, and uh, at some point she's like, yeah, I'm 16. I was like, but you smoke. And she's like, yeah, but I'm 16. I was like, what the fuck? 
giving cigarettes to a minor for two weeks? <laughs> worse yet, been bumming them off a minor? I'm not sure which is worse. It's like legally or socially, it's, it's going to come into a different category. Yeah, they both feel a little weird, though. Yeah. Yeah. Next news story. Europe will require USB-C chargers. Apple isn't happy. Um, <clears throat> this is pretty cool. Uh, the European Union has stood together and made a, uh, a law that pretty much, like, phones, cameras, other portable digital devices, they're all going to have Type-C now. That's just the way it's going to be. They're going to standardize the, the power grid for charging devices. Yeah, and I'm fine with this. But uh, Apple is not. They're saying that it's going to stifle innovation. Uh, sure. Like, listen, I, I guess I get both sides of it. From a user standpoint and from a logical standpoint, I don't understand why these things aren't standardized to begin with. Um, from a legal standpoint, I think it's a little strange to legally compel someone to, to, to be forced to use this. But if that's the legal standard for said devices, then that's the legal standard for said devices. So it's... I understand why Apple's like, well, you can't make us do our thing a certain way, but like every consumer electronic has some level of standards that it has to adhere to to be released on the market. Yeah. And this just happens to be one of them that's going to make a lot of people's lives more convenient. Yeah. Well, yeah. And part of it is the e-waste thing. That's one of the things they cite is like, you know... There, there's so many proprietary chargers out there that wind up in a drawer that then get cleaned out and thrown away. Yeah. And that's just a lot of garbage. I mean, and they don't give any numbers, but it's a lot of fucking garbage. Well, I can tell you that I have a drawer behind me that has a lot of them garbage chargers you're talking about. I won't even yeah. buy some shit that doesn't have a standard USB jack on it. I won't even buy it. I look at it and I'm like, hmm, that's a nice Sony phone. I'm never going to own it. <laughs> this is the one i asked matt to read do you want to go over it uh dude i'll give my matt's hot take um so here's the truth i'm reading this article you you will you say the headline because i don't have it in front of me a woman agreed to have a baby for a facebook friend in massachusetts through messenger now they're locked in a custody war the case is identified in court records as a pseudonymous, whatever, guardianship of Keanu, we'll say. Keanu. I think his name is Keanu. I'm pretty Keanu? sure. I don't I know. Think, I think so. I think his name is Keanu. Okay, so basically a couple couldn't have a child. Um, and it seems almost like on a lark that in the article they keep referring to one individual as the intended mother being the person who was looking for someone to make a child for her so she could mother it um so we're going to call her the intended mother uh if you read the article we'll all know who, who who i'm talking about so the intended mother makes a joking almost it seemed like a joke post over facebook that says who who wants to pop out a baby for my partner and i okay um Somebody was lifelong friends with the intended mother's partner and was like, we'll do it. Y'all would be great parents. I know your partner. 
I'll carry a child for you. And the, and so the, the we're going to now refer to that person as the biological mother, uh, just to, to make the distinction between the two people. So the biological mother uh, mates with her boyfriend. They make a baby. And um, the intended mother and the biological mother, like, wanted to come to, like, okay, so the intended mother went to a lawyer, it kind of explained the situation, and the lawyer was like, well, you should set up a surrogacy, which I guess is, like, a legal premise for surrogate mother stuff. Apparently, there's usually a good contract in place for these sorts of things. Um, uh, and and the biological mother was like, oh, no, that's not necessary. Like, we're I'm going to do this for you, okay? So the baby's born. Uh, they hand it over to the intended mother and her partner, uh, the intended mother and her partner break up like a couple of weeks after they have possession of this child, uh, which starts to like starts to set things into like a weird motion. Now they had they had to take legal guardianship of the child, but they weren't allowed to adopt it yet until they had been raising it for six months. Like basically, I guess the law is unless you've like been taking care of the child for six months or more, you can't adopt them. So the, the only thing they could do was do a legal guardianship until that six month period was up. Well, before that six month period was even up, the couple broke up that were intended to raise the child. And the biological parents started to get like a change of heart. And we're like, we want our baby back, you know? And they didn't necessarily have legal grounds to go on. And basically, like, all sorts of stuff. Like, the biological couple has broken up as well, but are both jointly trying to sue the intended mother for custody of that child. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And that's about and that's about where we're at now. Now, this happened in, like, 2017, was, like, when the child was born or when they were conceived. So they're about three or four now. Kid's name is Keanu or Canoe, depending Canoe. on which which variation that you want to roll with. Um, but uh, yeah, as of right now, it seems like the intended mother is the one that does have a custody of the child, mm -hmm. and the and the courts were basically like, "Listen, this is the person that the child is known for the duration of its life, raising it as its mother," and. The case is so unprecedented, especially because there was no surrogacy contract in place, that there's like not really much of an existing precedent or set of laws for anyone to do anything like according to letter, because this is a a situation that falls outside of what would commonly already have been like accounted for with the law. Yeah, and the judge that's had about, to. That's about all I got. Thanks. You did a great job. <laughs> the oh, judge right. had to dig deep in the legal bag to find a tool and um, wound up evaluating the biological couple for their fitness to raise the child. Right, right. And, <clears throat> and then found them unfit to raise, a, not like an independent party found them unfit to raise the child. Yeah. Um, probably because they're like split. Um. And who knows what else? I mean, they're the kind of people that'll just randomly agree to make a baby for somebody. Yeah, like we can't, we can't like assume anything about it. But it, I mean, that is one shred of evidence to their character that like they wanted to make a baby for someone else and refused to have a contract surrounding what that might be like. Yeah, I mean, 
that shit should have been sorted. Like, you make a human being, you plan on making a human being, you, the beginning of their life should be at least a little figured out. But, uh, Especially since you were making plans, <laughs> you know why stop yeah. there? Why not? Why not finish the plans and really set it set it forward? You know. Yeah, and that, so the judge gave the intended mother custody, um, but then the biological couple are elevating it to an appeals court, and the appeals court doesn't know what the fuck to do either. Um, what my uh, fear is for this kid is that. Um, let's say that you have a kid, right? And, like, you don't want to raise this kid, so you give them up for adoption. Yeah. Legal precedent is anyone in your biological family can step in and be like, no, I'm taking care of the kid. And the judge will almost always side with them. Oh, really? Okay, okay. So it's very likely that uh, Keanu Canoe is going to wind up with the biological family. If, If the biological family keeps pressing it, yeah. Yeah, and then... Well, then it's a split couple, so this kid's going to go from one custody battle to another. And, huh. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just gnarly, and that's why I asked you to read it, is I wanted, uh, I needed your help to, like, explore this issue, and, because I think it's a really important story. It, it is really, really interesting. Um, it sucks, man, like, all I can, I guess I don't have a lot of insight on it other than like kind of putting myself in the shoes of that child and just being like, what the fuck is going on with my life? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like what the fuck? Um, if they move this kid from one mother to a mother who doesn't know them at all, they don't know at all. It's going to give the kid an attachment disorder. It's going yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah, something is... It's it's not going to go without a hitch. That's for sure. Yeah. And oh. I, a wrinkle here is that all of this seemed... All of the planning and everything seemed to happen over Facebook. And then when it became a bitter dispute, the biological mother was um, publicly shaming, like in public Facebook posts, the intended mother. and like Right. I forgot about that part. Yeah, and I just think it's really interesting that, like, Facebook social politics got to a point where it's like, y'all answer your request to make a baby on a whim through uh-huh. a Facebook post, and then I'll shame yeah. you years later. And, like, they say that the biological mother was a lifelong friend of the intended mother's fiancé, but, like, how come this has all played out so poorly then if they were such close friends, like you would think some sort of, then why did you give the baby to an ex partner of one of your lifelong friends? It's also very confusing. Yeah. I, I don't, and I don't have any kind of, it just, it just like, I hate to just judge people based off of, Okay, no, I love to judge people based on okay, articles okay. I read about them, but this this whole situation is very trashy. Like, yeah, no, okay, you know, hey, we don't know these people, we don't know what their lives are like, but this feels, I agree with Canada, real trashy. This is like next level Jerry Springer shit. This is like the future <laughs> of that kind of shit. 
Well, we had a Snapchat, baby. He ain't even the real daddy. Because this is really a Twitter baby. <laughs> <laughs> I do not look forward to the day when that has yeah. a context. Yeah. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, welcome, welcome to the future. When you connect more and more people over longer distances freely and easily... <laughs> you, 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 the percentage of idiocy rises and rises, you know. Yeah, you never yeah. would have thought that. Yeah, <laughs> you would have been like, and then all the the fucking library of Alexandria will be reconstructed with the internet, and we're like, no, we're having Snapchat babies. <laughs> Who you think they should have never gave you monkeys thumbs? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Prometheus, man, he should have he should have just left that fire where it was. So inmate released home. This is in Oregon. Inmates released to home confinement during pandemic fear. uh, During pandemic fear, devastating ring. Basically, this is from PBS NewsHour. Go look up inmates released to home confinement and you'll find it. And um, so they the <clears throat> there was a law passed at the beginning of the pandemic, an act where they released a bunch of inmates to home confinement to try to create some social distancing inside the prison system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually surprised we haven't heard more of this until now. The um, <clears throat> well, I mean they they've all been behaving themselves. They're fucking happy to be out of prison. Yeah. And, sure, uh, sure. They um, they might get sent back when the pandemic is declared over. They're they're actually based off of the the letter of the law. They are going back to prison, so they're out for an indeterminate amount of time. These are all nonviolent offenders, which is code for drugs. Typically, and, yeah, that's code for drugs. Yeah, and they um, you know, they get a taste of of having their own room and having something resembling life, knowing that it's going to get yanked away from them. Uh, I wonder if that falls under cruel and unusual punishment. <laughs> you, know, you know, that's a good <laughs> argument. We should run that by the lawyer. <laughs> Cause that's, listen, I understand if, if like my um, authoritarian mind goes, well, yeah, like you just got lucky and you got to like have a nicer prison sentence than some prisoners for a while. And you can't argue that. You say, well, no, you're still going to serve your sentence. You got lucky and you had a nicer period in your sentence. But like, that's not how the human mind works, man. Like, I got a it's taste not. of this. I got a taste of this. I'm doing well. And now through like a negative reinforcement, you're going to basically imply that it doesn't really matter how well I do. Yeah. I'm going back to the fucking bars, dog. Yeah. Why don't I run? Why don't I cut off this ankle bracelet and go steal a car? Fuck it. I'll go down. Yeah. You know, get I'll the go fuck down out of here. Yeah. Oh, let's not give them any ideas, but I mean, like, listen, some people... Yeah, I, can, I, I have to imagine that there's some of them that that's exactly what they're going to do. Yeah, I, you know, say, and, then, and then people will point to that and they'll be like, look at what a terrible idea this was to let these people out, looking at what the, you know, how they handled it. And it'll be like, yeah, but they handled it perfectly for months. 
until somebody's like, okay, next week you go back to prison. You know? Another thing, this actually brings up a phenomena that, like, has always been on the tip of my tongue, and I'm going to try and articulate it now. Okay. There's this issue with violent authority, and, and by violent authority, I mean any authority that has the ability to make you do something by threat of violence. Okay. Okay. I mean, i.e. the police, okay? The law, specifically. Yeah. You, it is everyone's, on some level, natural instinct to defend themselves. And having that natural instinct is basis that you are somehow more despicable because you won't comply. But like, motherfucker, you're threatening the fabric of my life. It is completely 100% natural for me to want to escape you. Yeah. Yeah. It's 100% like understandable. But because you have the authority of the law on your side and you have the uh, state-sanctioned ability to commit violence, that somehow then makes my life even less valuable and now you can hurt me more because I haven't complied with something that it's unnatural to comply with. Uh, that's no, that's kind of the, deep. That's kind of the problem I have with it. It's like whenever I see the cops and they're like, why are you acting funny? Motherfucker, you know why they're acting funny. Don't act like you're not a human being. Just because you got that fucking badge on doesn't mean that you also wouldn't want to defend yourself if you felt your fucking life was being threatened. Yeah. Life and livelihood. Yeah. Because I just by saying life being threatened, I don't necessarily mean mortally threatened at all times, but like, if you're going to put me in jail for six months, you're threatening my fucking life. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I'm not saying one way or the other whether or not that sentence is deserved or not, but it's like, let's all not act like wanting to get away from that or wanting to resist that is somehow despicable in and of itself. Yeah. Even an innocent man who feels he doesn't have a chance to prove his innocence might want to run the fuck away or fight back. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> fuck the police coming straight from the underground. Yup. It's recording again. It's totally it told but me we didn't, after we didn't lose the first half, right? No, it told me 15 minutes in, it was like, you should pause every 15 minutes so you don't lose your episode. And I was like, fuck it, we'll go three times as long. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Dude, we're living on the edge. I mean, this is just how we roll. Yep. Yep. We haven't lost but one episode so far. Yeah. And like we said, the one's coming. I've gotten to the point where now I'm going to promote the lost episode every episode until it happens. And that might be 73 episodes from now. It might be one. It might not be until 1945 that we're able to retrieve this from a time capsule because right now it's 1932. <laughs> okay. I don't know why anachronism and the lost episode have now just tangled up in my mind. Mm -hmm. But like, fuck time, fuck linear time. The lost episode came out in 2007. <laughs> I'm going to release it in 1982. <laughs> okay? I don't know what that means, but I hope you're all salivating to find out. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I was having a talk today. Total. You know what? Different story. Story time. I have talked a few times about my vivid, weird-ass dreams. So I'm going to talk about the one I had last night that woke me up at 5 a.m. First off... All I'm, right. Canada's dreams. This could be a reoccurring bit, honestly. It, it really could. Um, first off... Welcome to Canada's dreams. Dream, 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 dreams. Who, who was the guy who did, um... 
Nicholas Cage. I was Nicholas yep. Cage. Okay. You were Nicholas Cage. Yes. I was I'm Nicholas already fascinated. <laughs> I don't know why. I have no I I struggled to remember his name and I spent like two hours being him. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and like uh so, Okay. So I was caught in an interdimensional rift storm to put some sort of words to it where anyone who got too far away from me would slip off into another dimension and the dimensions were like like broken mirrors lining up oh yeah and the sky was blood red (laughs) and if i was alone for too long i a console would show up in front of me like this fallout looking console and there'd be like a push button on it like just a little one off in the corner and if you push that button, it would blow up the dimension you were in, and you'd slide to another one. And I kept <laughs> finding these consoles and pushing the fucking button. <laughs> <laughs> that, um, that's like the best thing I've heard in a long time, man. Uh, yeah. You know, part of me goes, what part of your unconscious mind decided that this is something that needed to happen? Yeah, I I worked something out last night, and then I woke up and I had a coffee and a cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) So you were Nicolas Cage, though. Like, there's just no doubt. Yeah, I was a Nicolas Cage who couldn't swim. (laughs) That's How do you know that you couldn't swim, or was that just, like, a knowledge you had? I almost drowned. Oh, shit. (laughs) And I know what that I know what that feels like. Maybe that's what the dream was about. Is because I did almost drown once. I had to be pulled out of the river. Like oh, I was, shit. I was totally out of gas. And the last thing I had in me was to scream for help a couple of times. And some dude on the shore just fucking. I don't. He must have been a lifeguard or something because he just swam out, flipped me over, dragged me back in, and that was it. You know, I was fine. But if he wasn't there, I would have been done. You said, like, literally, like, it was over. Yeah, I was was totally out. Oh, man. That is terrifying. It is. Uh, I haven't... I've been... I... That was several years ago. And I recently went kayaking. A few months ago, I went kayaking for the first time. That was the first time I had been in the water in years. And then I went... Uh... As, as part of a group thing, I got invited to white water rafting. Uh-huh. Which I was able to, like, console myself into going because we would have life jackets. Yeah, that's gonna, <laughs> that, it's gonna help. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Let it out. Let it yeah. out. But, um, yeah, so yeah. I, 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 when I was a kid, I swam every day. I swam like a fish. But after that, after that experience on the Willamette River, I was nope. You remember Jesus Island? Yeah, it was there. Really, it was just out by Jesus Island. Yeah, you must. Oh, dude. So like, you'd been swimming a lot because like, fuck, dude. Yeah, that just sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Well, don't go out drowning, but don't fucking listen. drown, guys. I will. I want. I want to. I do want to be somewhat sincere here for a second. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing uh, a trauma. Yeah, 
and, and, and being honest and brave about how it's affected you without trying to hide it or be too macho to fucking admit that. I like that. Oh, cool. Thank you. <laughs> I think that's a, a, a good quality in a person, huh? Yeah. Well, I've done enough badass things. I don't need to pretend I'm a badass anymore. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I've decided I'm not even. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like a drug mule <laughs> who happened to like live through like the copious amounts. I'm not a badass. <laughs> I I was just in a bad state of mind and made irrational decisions sometimes. All right. So a Pennsylvanian man was charged with a felony, had on fifty thousand, held on fifty thousand dollar bond, cash only, for a forty three cent theft. Say what now? What state was this in? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Okay, so explain the details, because I don't, I can't grasp how that could be possible. I know, I read that, and I was like, this is more clickbaity bullshit, but I'll, I'll give it a chance. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, Joseph, we'll call him, because you know, for a guy who reads all the news, I can't actually pronounce most of the words I read. Um... <laughs> he he uh he went to a store, saw two for three dollars on Mountain Dew, said, "Oh, I can do that," and just got yeah. one and put two dollars on the counter and walked out. It was two thirty nine oh. for a Mountain Dew, just one. Yeah, yeah, because you're not getting the deal. Because you're not getting the deal, which doesn't make any goddamn sense because it's like forty cents. Uh, mm -hmm. but hey, that's promotions for you. Well, yeah, because they want you to buy two of them. The cashier, being infinitely petty, called the cops on him. Well, he's a homeless man living out of his car. So that gives you a little context for like where his life is at. Well, he stole like a beer in 2011, and he stole like shoes from Kmart a few years later. And they have a three strikes retail theft. Oh. And on the third strike, no matter what the cost of whatever you stole, you get charged with grand theft. Wow, grand theft. So the total amount that he stole is under fifty dollars in his Between entire the shoes, life. The shoes, the beer, and the fucking forty cents he gypped on a Mountain Dew. Yeah, and he's yeah. he's looking at three to seven. Jesus fucking Christ. And then, to top it off, the judge uh, put his bail at $50,000 cash only. And, like, the whole idea of bail is it's supposed to be enough of your wealth that it's like, I'm going to come back for that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but in, in Pennsylvania, apparently, there's a bunch of extra statutes about that and making sure that's what it's for. And the judge was like, when I asked why... I'm pretty sure it's a her, would ask why she set the bail so high in cash only. She, like, kind of, say she said she didn't remember and then, like, threw out a few reasons why it might be. And, I mean, that's, they're just coming down on this random homeless guy as hard as they can because they're backwards? I mean, what are you supposed to think of <laughs> of the legal what? system in Pennsylvania if this is what they look like? Well, goddammit, it's got to be to the letter of the law, Canada, or else we'll have fucking chaos in the streets. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you got to fucking stick to it, you know. That's how you avoid the demons taking over the world. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, like, listen, the uh, to my in my mind, you know, the legal system, for the most part, is like this giant meat grinder. Yeah. And, like, fucking, I, I don't. I don't hold this guy responsible for the fact that he's going to do three to seven years for stealing less than uh, $50, $50 worth of product. But, like, man, keep your hand out of that meat grinder the best you can. That's a word of advice. Yeah. To everyone listening, like, um, listen, I, I, this 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 probably hits home a lot for the both of us because we both spent some time homeless. If you've listened to the show before, you, you know that. Um and I'll say this, I ran around the streets of Eugene, Oregon for like two solid years doing doing normal homeless illegal shit. I mean, we're almost all drug addicts and alcoholics and even just sleeping outside is technically illegal and, you know, uh, all that good shit. And I managed not to get arrested at all. And then in one, one day, I made the dumb mistake of volunteering myself up to be arrested because I thought I was going to be helping someone else. Oh shit. Um, yeah. I, I was like, no, 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 it's mine. Like that person is innocent, you know, but like what happened was we, we both just went to jail. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's a whole story for another time, but like it didn't work, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I didn't help the person at all. I just got myself in trouble. And, uh, what's funny about that though, is once I went to jail once in Eugene, I mean, they just had their eye on me then. And I went to jail once a month for like the next six months for like whatever they could get me for, <laughs> you know, it was mm -hmm. all like, oh, oh, you're in the park after a certain hour. That's trespassing. You're going to jail. Like before they would have just sent me on my way. But now they knew I was the kind of guy who went to jail. Mm -hmm. And so now you're going to jail for this, you know, and it's like, fuck, dude. So yeah, just keep your hand out of the meat grinder because once they get a taste for your blood, they want they want it. Yeah, and if you get a felony, you're fucked. You're you're just marred for life. Pretty much. <laughs> Speaking of people getting fucked by the law, <laughs> we always seem to have a couple themes that emerge. You know? Yeah, I was like, I I got to this one, and I was like, well, I've got a theme now, so here we go. <laughs> I feel like we should call this one getting sexy with the law. Getting sexy with the law? <laughs> I was thinking fear and order. Damn, okay. <laughs> sure. Uh, so this this press release is from, uh, God, where did it come up from? Like Yahoo Finance for some reason. But it's Citizens for Mental Health Reform calls for signing a petition to resentence all Psychiatric Security Review Board clients. Um, this is from Oregon. So uh, the Psychiatric Review Board, if you don't know what it is, which you probably don't, is right. if somebody pleads insanity in the state of Oregon, instead of going to prison, they go to the state hospital under the Psychiatric Review Board. And um, they seem to own those people <laughs> <laughs> yeah um which there's a lot of nuances there that you can go into but this is specifically about the fact that when somebody pleads insanity let's say they committed arson for instance arson in oregon will get you 
two, five years, maybe seven, depending on what you burn down. Well, yeah. it's got a 20-year maximum sentence. So if you're up on arson charges and you plead insanity, instead of getting less than a decade, you get two decades. Right. And that, the premise here is that that is discrimination against the mentally ill. Yeah. Like, the, the fact that using an insanity plea means that you get the maximum sentence no matter what seems a little heavy-handed, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, it. it's uh, it's saying that, like, the mentally ill are so dangerous that they absolutely have to get the whole book thrown at them. Right. When, in reality, um, I know from previous stories that they... Um, uh, it was actually the newspaper I read this in, that Oregon's, that people who go through the PSRB have the lowest recidivism rate of, like, the entire criminal justice system. Uh-huh. So, like, people who go through this process, they come out fine, for the most part. And um, they still spend years uh, with somebody breathing down their neck. Like, you know... Okay, like, I know somebody under the PSRB, they can't drive, they can't be out after 10, they can't be out before, like, 8 or 9 in the morning, you know, and that's that's considered a loose set of restrictions for them. So, so like, you can't go for a morning jog, for example. Can't go for you a know? morning jog. Can't, can't wake up at 6, 6 a.m. nights. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which for a lot of people in this position, these are going to be the kinds of positions available to them. Be like a night job. Because who's going to hire someone who's been criminally charged? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, of course, a lot of them, like the options available to them for work are are night jobs or other undesirable positions, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Probably have to get up at four o'clock in the morning and be there at five a.m. to like I don't know run the gas station or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My uh, my friend on the PSRB, he just doesn't work. He just he just doesn't bother because you know he um, he's look like looked after. He's financially secure enough because they won't allow him to wind up on the streets. But yeah. um, you know that's still a shitty life. Like, yeah, it's not, it's not great. <laughs> the inability to strive for more for yourself is uh, a, a pretty bad hindrance to the pursuit <laughs> of happiness. <laughs> yeah. And pretend you got like 10, 20 years of that ahead of you. Yeah. It's rough. It's a lot. So, so this, the, the news article is about uh, a movement to have a resentencing for these people. Yeah. So in Oregon, there's, they, I was in jail once facing some serious charges and I saw this grid and it's one piece of paper and it's color coded and depending on what crime you committed or are accused of committing, you can look at it and see um, like, like what category it's in and then you just follow out on the grid and you find how many years you'll get. You know, and we'll say like three to five. Uh-huh. And, um... That's how everybody, like, gets, every every non-mentally ill person 
gets that treatment. And then every mentally ill person gets, uh, you know, the max. And so this whole article is a press release from an organization that wants to challenge that and get people, if get ideally people resentenced who are under it. And if not that, stop this discriminatory practice and stop sentencing people to the max. Yeah, I mean, as far as I understand from looking at this, there is no, there's nothing legally compelling them, the, you know, the justice system to give out the maximum sentence. It's just what they do. Right. That's what I'm saying is like, I don't know how saying, well, uh, a mental insanity plea definitely means that we should then, how, how is that justifiable to say then, then we should definitely give this person a maximum sentence it's like, sure, the recidivism rates are low, but like I'm sure the rate of depression among these individuals is pretty high. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, it's like, why wouldn't you give it the same consideration? Like, I could even see, okay, we do this initial sentencing and then pending psychiatric review as you go along and how you show to be recovering or whatever that sentence could change, but like, we're, we're not even in a situation that's like that. No, no, No. I could see that being acceptable, but to just be like, no, 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 no. Like this is what it's going to be. And like, it's nothing else will be taken into consideration, you know? Yeah. Uh, So, uh, my friend on the PSRB, he spent a while in the hospital and he knew a lady who was under the PSRB who got pregnant at the hospital. Um, as far as I understand, no one ever figured out who the father was, and she never said anything. Well, when she went into labor, they brought her to the hospital, and they chained her to the bed. Jesus Christ, okay. <laughs> then they took the baby away. Yeah, I was waiting for this. And, and they just, it's just got sucked into the system? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, you can't argue that that's not cruel. Yeah, yeah. I like, we like to think we're so civilized, you know, (laughs) but hey, your circumstances are wrong. You're getting chained to a bed and like your newborn baby will just disappear. Yeah. Cause you know, that's what we do. There's there's this problem in in the mental health system where there's nobody on the outside really um, putting them in check. Like remember that story of the guy in Hawaii who spent two years in the state hospital out there on mistaken identity. Oh, uh huh. Like, yeah. and, and like you know, you gotta you gotta it makes you wonder how often that shit happens and how many people are sitting somewhere in the system, in the mental health system, being told they're delusional for, um, you know, any random thing that the doctor doesn't believe, and they don't get to get out until they convincingly don't believe this thing anymore. (laughs) Which then could be said, they, they may now be suffering from a forced delusion because they, what they knew was true. And now they're fucking, yeah. Yeah. It's uh and like and that's just one example of like why things need to be in better check. Uh God, what is it like 
there's nobody, there's not enough window into this, like for people to know, like, hey, like forms of human cruelty are sanctioned that are just happening to people because we've deemed them unfit. If anything, they need to have more help and more defense and more advocacy mm-hmm. because of that fact. But instead, we just sort of shove them under the rug and give them less. Yeah, because and I think it has to do with the old stigma that they're defective or broken somehow. You right. know, they, that these people are lesser. Um, yeah. And... You know, therefore, we don't have to worry about them as much. Yeah, it's really, it's really, like, it kind of reminds me even of, like, the horrible, this is just so dark, but, like, you know, you can picture the sort of tropic family or, like, the archetypal, like, family where it's a big family and maybe one of the kids has, like, a disability or, like, a mental condition. Mm -hmm. And then, like, they just kind of get, like, told to stay in their room. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just stay in your room. They might even padlock the door. Like, weird shit starts to happen in re- what what normally would have been a relatively sane situation. Because, like, is it is that we is it that we don't have the as a culture we don't have like the empathy to process it. So we lock it away. And I mean, it's a cultural it. thing, yeah. But it's, it's definitely not, cultural. It's... it's deeply ingrained somewhere in our culture. But it's also sorts of problems. I'm sorry. I remember reading the National Geographic once, and there was this picture of of um like a developmentally stunted kid, and he was tied to a tree by a rope, and the rope was around his neck, so that if he ran too far, he would just fall back on his ass, and. Um, this was in some way less affluent country, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, but that picture's never like, like, I struggle with some mental health shit. And that picture is so relatable. Because although I never had a rope tied around my neck, tethering me to a tree, that's only because I was smart enough to untie a rope. You know? Like, <sighs> it, it, it's the way it feels anyway. Like, I'm not saying yeah. my parents would have done that to me, but, like, when I was fucking manic or, you know, super depressed or cycling real bad, my family yeah. didn't want me around. And I understand why. But, like, sure, you know, going to school, there was, like, my family understood that I had problems. You know, the school and the people that I, you know, the fellow students just saw me as, like, a freak. You know? Right, right, right. And um, I don't know. Like, it, it's not just cultural. I think that it's also there's something, some sort of survival instinct. Like, that's like, oh, we've got to get, we got to get rid of this one because they're gonna bring the tribe down. Oh my goodness, I kind of get what you're saying. Like, it's deeper and maybe even more animalistic than culturally speaking. It's more. Like a base instinct, almost. Yeah, to get away from the defective ones, to get them away from you. Now this is this is terrible, and I probably shouldn't make this comparison, but I'm gonna. I used to have a lot of pet rats. I'm very fond of rats, and at one point I went a little overboard, and I had like a lot of them, mm-hmm. and they all got along except for the one guy whose teeth kept growing, and we had to clip his teeth because he had like a disease where the shit would overgrow. Mm-hmm. They started, the more his deformity showed, the more the others attacked him. He became very shunned. Mm-hmm. 
Elmer. His name was Elmer, and he was gray. And his ears popped out to the side. He had side ears, you know. <laughs> Sounds like a great rat. Yeah. I, I too, love rats. Yeah. So there's but a yeah. petition on change.org for the Citizens for Mental Health Reform. Um, you know, if you're in Oregon, sign it. If you're not in Oregon, sign it. You know, uh, <laughs> let's put a little bit of light into this darkness. Yeah, yeah. Let's try to help some people. I'm down for that. It's a petition, man. What, what you know, just sign the damn thing. Yeah, just sign it. <laughs> it, it might help some people who are going to have 10 years of misery only have like five years of misery. Mm-hmm. You know, or less. You know, you never know. Yeah. I mean, somebody who's mentally ill and breaks into a house because they're hiding from the CIA or the aliens or whatever gets a burglary charge and then they're looking at 20 years in Oregon, you know? Yeah. Um, that, that's not right. 20 years because they had a bad episode. Cause they had a bad episode. And like, yeah. I mean, Listen, I've been in psychosis. Your first one, you have no fucking clue what's going on. Uh, all, all I can tell you is this man is I've had a, I don't know. I don't know if it was full blown psychosis, but I've had some episodes that may have been chemically fueled mm-hmm. and I'm just lucky enough that I didn't run into houses. Do you understand what I'm saying? Or I didn't attack anybody yeah. that like, I was familiar with hallucinations enough to be like, just chill. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking like, so yeah, I, I guess I wasn't having a full psychosis because I could recognize on some level that I shouldn't. But it's hard, man. When your brain is doing funny shit, it is hard to just deny that it's happening. Yeah. Well, and like my my I am on some heavy meds now, but my last one, um, I knew what was going on. I knew that my brain was generating images and sounds that weren't real. And after a few weeks of that though. Like, well, how are you supposed to keep up with that forever? At yeah, some point, you you're can't. Gonna, you're going to give in. I mean, like, what? you don't, you can't fight the river all day, man. Like, <laughs> that, fucker's, that fucker's flowing, you know? Dear listener, thank you for listening to the Somewhat Competent Podcast. It is that time again that time where we interrupt the episode to remind you that you will like, rate, and subscribe to the Somewhat Competent Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You will also take every device in your house and play episodes of the Somewhat Competent Podcast on them. This will help us appease the algorithm lords. And we will be outsmarting the AI that is secretly running our lives through a horde amalgamation of technology and dark magic, so that's pretty great. If you would like to get the Somewhat Competent Podcast straight from the source, you can also just use the Google. Our website is somewhere near the top of the results when you search the Somewhat Competent Podcast, and with your help in appeasing the algorithm lords maybe we could single-handedly destroy that imposter site. You know the one. Also, dear listener, don't forget that if your pockets would like to weep tears of cash into our wanting little hands, that you can always support us on Patreon. There you have access to Somewhat Competent swag like Canada's Cuts, which are early release episodes without any extra stuff. It's Canada's first edit of the episode before Matt gets his grimy little hands on it. If you want to know more about the other levels of incomprehensible swag that we have to offer, you are going to go to find somewhat competent at Patreon. Just look for the flaming garbage. 
And now we have reached that other part of the show where Canada plays us a nice little ditty, while Matt turns the episode into a fucking nightmare. away from this topic this is i think this is kind of funny the nsa and cia use ad blockers because online advertising is so dangerous which begs the question immediately why is this shit legal if it's so dangerous (laughs) that is a good question dude why are so many ads actual viruses (laughs) (laughs) like they're an ad they exist in as an advertisement and they're everywhere if you click that bitch, you you're getting a virus. Yeah. Well, and like this, the the clever ones with the zero day exploits on the shady websites, it just loads. You know, it just Fuck. loads, and it's in your computer. Oh god, dude. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the the really interesting thing that I thought was uh, or that I caught was um. Uh, bit streaming, so like bid streaming, excuse me, like so when as the ad is loading, depending on the demographics that the browser is putting out, um, different automated systems will place bids to get their ad put on the web page as it loads. Oh my god, okay. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. So, so during that sh- 
that that bidding, all of the potential uh, bidders are getting a, a brief stream of data about the browser that is that is the target for the advertisement. So if you quote unquote run an advertising company, you can collect all of this user data at a minimum amount of cost. Wow. So even just the act of partaking in advertising with the right kind of companies just feeds you data. Yeah. And you could obviously automate that and have that shoved into a database. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. So there's this new policy floating around the federal government that they're calling a zero trust policy or a zero trust strategy where you treat the whole internet with total mistrust. And that's, that's the, the architecture that is being pushed towards. So like the CIA, the NSA, the DEA, uh, a bunch of the alphabet soup use ad blocking for this reason. But like the IRS doesn't, you know, like there's a lot of the, the federal government is still exposed to this tactic of data collection. Uh, by any old employee that might be in the office. Just cruising around the internet. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's lunch break. I'm yeah. going to go look up some uh, you know, random curiosity I have. Puppies eating cheese, uh, grilled cheese sandwiches.com. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we should look that up after the show and see if that's a thing. Because, <laughs> dude, if we put together a website with nothing but videos of puppies eating grilled cheese sandwiches, we could collect so much data. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's wild. It's, you know, deep down inside, it's like, Everyone, if you don't already know that you should already have a zero trust policy with the internet, and then anytime you click anything anywhere, you're subjecting yourself to possible molestation via the (laughs) cables. Like, I don't know, man. Like, you should already know. Like, listen, I'm at the point where, like, obviously I'm careful with what I do on the internet, but also I'm just like, fuck it. Like, you know, come get me. Yeah, you've got my data. (laughs) Yeah, no. like what? What are you gonna fucking do? I leave the shutter on my webcam open. I don't care. <laughs> You're like, listen, you want a show? Watch me pick my nose while I fucking play video games. Go for I was it. Gonna, yeah, you're gonna. I was like, watch me tweak my nipples while I play Eve Online. <laughs> <laughs> and that, or if it's me, like, watch me struggle to play basic games. Yeah, and have, <laughs> I'm like, oh no, I'm so bad. You're getting a boring show, you know? Yeah, it's because we can see each other this time. We are trying yet again new software, and this software yeah. has video chat, um, it, which normally it's I just stare at the keyboard and nod while he talks, and I now <laughs> see his face. <laughs> it's. I think it's slightly more engaging. Mm-hmm. It's, slightly, it's slightly more engaging. Maybe we should try this next time, since we're going to use Skype. Well, we're going to have to until that new... Um, New hardware gets here. So, dear listener, I spent yet another two hundred and twenty dollars on this show. <laughs> so now we're roughly we're roughly like at least probably four hundred dollars in the hole over this over this podcast. Oh, dude, if you include the money, um, Doctor Inko spent, dude, we're probably at least a thousand in the hole on this yes. podcast now. We're probably at least a grand in. 
Yep. Which is like one tenth the way you need to be successful, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's not until we hit that ten thousand mark that anyone's going to even know who we are. <laughs> I hope that I hope that's really ironic to the, like the random hundred new listeners that for some reason got a hold of this podcast. Yeah, well, it's going to be really ironic in like twenty episodes when somebody's like, "I'm going to listen to their whole back catalog." Uh, that one, <laughs> that one weird nerdy guy from New Zealand. He's like, "Listen, I actually really like this." Yeah. Yeah. We have a New Zealand story at the end. Do uh, we? We do. So I saw this article and I was like, tech breakdown, why China's Mars rover lost communications. And I was so ready to make made in China jokes, but uh-huh. it's not that. Aww. What it is, is um, this is why the American rover is also inaccessible right now. I'm looking for the exact... Oh, so it's not just China's rover that is. Ours is, too. Yeah, they say tech breakdown, but they don't mean the tech broke down. They mean, like, this is a breakdown of the tech. (laughs) That just sounded like some Dr. Seuss stuff that I actually don't understand what that means, but that was okay. (laughs) The tech didn't break down, but it was a breakdown of the tech, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like the breakdown of the song where all of the pieces get uh, brought to your attention? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's like that. So solar conjunction happens about every two years. When it occurs, Mars is on the opposite side of the sun from the Earth, making the two planets temporarily invisible to each other. Basically, we can't get a radio signal to Mars, and Mars can't get a signal to us, so everything is going to spend two weeks in hibernation. Because we can't put it through the sun, basically. Yeah. If there was a satellite kind of orbiting, like, yeah, yeah, out yeah. in like an angle a... way out there, but there isn't one. Okay, okay. So, yeah. Um, hey, I have a, a, a random space question. What's up? It has to do with gravity and the, um, the orbit patterns. Mm-hmm. A random guy. Let's just say I farted really bad and it shot me out of the atmosphere. Okay. And so now I'm just a dead body floating up there. And I've made it outside of Earth's gravitational pull. I've made it outside of the moons. I mean, this was a hell of a fucking fart, okay? Uh-huh. I really flew out there. And I'm really out in kind of no man's land. At some point, would the sun pull me into it if I didn't have enough trajectory? Maybe would a passing velocity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just say I, I make it out to between... I've made it out to between Venus and Earth. And I'm just kind of floating in no man's land out there, right? Uh-huh. I'm assuming the gravitational momentum will keep me on the same plane with everything. Even though I'm technically kind of just floating out there, I would imagine that the gravitational momentum would keep me going with the rest of the universe for quite some time, mm-hmm. right? Especially because there's no friction out there. But um, I'm wondering, as I'm floating out there in no man's land, am I going to fall into an orbit ring at some point? There's a, there's these things called Lagrange points between uh-huh. orbital, orbital bodies. Like There's like three or five between here and the moon. There's like a dozen or so between here and the sun. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and I, 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 here, here, here's Matt's bro science. Those are the resonance points collect, created by the concurrent waves, gravitational waves of the bodies. Yeah, we can call it that. 
<laughs> there might be something deeply profound about what you just said. I don't know. Um, eventually, you'd fall into something. Uh, yeah, a something would get me eventually. I mean... Because the amount even of energy it takes to leave the solar system, yeah. you know, to get outside the sun's pole is enormous. Yeah. So you're probably going to drift towards the sun or back towards the Earth, depending on, you know, whatever. Whichever one has a better gravitational hold on me. Yeah, and, like, your odds of falling into Venus are pretty good. Your odds of being knocked out of your orbit by Venus going by you are pretty good. Oh, like, even its gravitational push as it goes past me might knock me the hell out of something. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It is possible, though, that you could establish an orbit that um, you were just in until the sun expanded and incinerated you. Because I was wondering if, like, if small objects with super small mass could still have a central orbit around the sun. Or... If they or if it took a certain mass threshold to establish that relationship, no, does that anything any like you could throw a pop can into space and put it in a proper orbit around the sun? I've, all orbits are are decaying in one direction or another. They are either expanding or contracting around the orbital body. Okay, so okay. Um, you. <laughs> You know, the orbital body won't last forever either. So, um, you know, if you put a pop can into a perfect orbit, eventually the sun will expand and eat the pop can. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, so, but if your orbit's stable enough that we call it stable, it's just going to be there until something intervenes. You know, if it outlives the sun, then, you know. So even my. Even my dead body that shit itself could establish a proper order of orbit around the sun. Yeah. Uh, and have it. It's like the only relationship that's real important going on right here is me and the sun. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because gravity is actually a really weak force. Um, yeah. It's I mean, not it takes something really fucking big to, yeah. to have a gravitational effect. Yeah. So. Oh. Cool, cool, cool. Cool. I'm glad we bro scienced that one down. <laughs> I really just wanted pe- people to picture my corpse chat itself just floating through space, but like that's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, nobody knows what we look like. Oh, that's true. But like, yeah. you know, whatever whatever they picture. I'm fat. Like, just so you know, it's funny because I'm fat and kind of scrubby. And you got long hair. Yeah. And he's a so redhead gotta... people with glasses. Yeah, redhead people with glasses and long hair. Just like, just being all fat and dead in space, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's really funny. I don't know. So I put this one in just to be ironic, because I know last episode I talked about not wanting to talk about Bitcoin anymore. Um, there's a lot of, I called this like six weeks ago. China's top regulators ban crypto trading and mining, sending Bitcoin tumbling. Tumbling is a very extreme word. On one uh-huh. exchange, it went down 6% and then went up like 4%, and it'll be up the last 2% probably by the time this gets released. So um, it was a little sneeze. It was a little sneeze on Bitcoin's growth. Yeah, and it's like $6 billion a year the Chinese people were making. Um that they're not going to be making anymore. 
And then in theory, because of the nature of, of, of currency like this, that six billion that they were making is just going to be rejuvenated back into the system, essentially. It's going to go to like the Ukraine and Russia and whoever the fuck else is mining. The Ukraine, yeah. Russia, and America are the big three now. Um, yeah, they got the digital one. They don't want anything competing with it. They don't like the loose control of currency. Oh, that's right. That's right. The uh, they have their own digital cryptocurrency now. It's not even cryptocurrency. It's like, uh, it's like a Visa card. You know, like it's a digital record somewhere. Oh, okay. So it's just like it's the the old fashioned way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's most of the story right there. You know. There's there's a lot of, like, if you're really into Bitcoin, you can learn a lot about this. You might have missed your chance to make some money if you're learning about it from us. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, honestly, if you didn't get into Bitcoin, like, a long time ago, I don't even know why we're even bothering anymore, you know? Yeah, well, if you're... I mean, I, I knew a lady uh, up till recently, and she moved. And um, she made, like, $500 on the crypto market in, like, two months. She's not yeah. enough to live off of, but she put, you know, she put a couple hundred in, got a few hundred out, and, you know, you can still do it. You're just, you're not going to be one of those get rich stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, I still haven't unlocked my uh, digital wallet at this one company that has my coins that in theory made money, and I... <laughs> I have a mental block where they sent me an email and told me what I had to do. Mm -hmm. And my mental block is like, no, I want, that, Just I want that. I want that. I I know it's, it's deeply psychological. I I'll have to just get over it one day, psych myself up and get over it and send strangers my ID and shit. Yeah. It took me a while to get my hundred dollars worth of Dogecoin unlocked. Yeah. That was when it was worth $100. It would be worth like 40 bucks now. Um, right, and I'm just losing money on Dogecoin the whole time is the part that pisses me off. <laughs> I'm telling you, I bought a $1.50 worth of it or more. I might even have bought 5 bucks worth. I know I just bought some trivial amount of it mm -hmm. when it was like, when it was fractions and fractions of a penny. Okay, hold on just one second. Any record again. All right, so... Fractions of a penny. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what happened. I had I had Bitcoin back when it was worth fractions of a penny, and Dogecoin was worth fractions of a Bitcoin. And I was like, I'll buy some Dogecoin. I also yeah, bought a bunch yeah. of other coins that didn't pan out, but in the end, I mean, Yeah, a, a lot of them don't. <laughs> yeah. A lot of them don't. That's why immediately I was, I was into Bitcoin for about two months, and I was like, I don't have time for this. And it's... It did make me, in two months, I invested $150, and I had about $500 worth of profit, but I never turned it back into currency, because I don't consider cryptocurrency actual currency until, there's so few people that accept it, that until you turn it back into American dollars, who gives a fuck, you know? Yeah. <sighs> Got a Coinbase. I, get, or I guess I should get on the, the dark web or something. Buy a kilo of heroin <laughs> and turn that into a lot of money or my own death <laughs> or your own death yeah or incarceration go straight just take your bag just take your block of heroin and jump straight into the meat grinder <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> the meat grinder of the law system. Okay. Yeah. It's an industrial complex like the rest of them. Um, yeah, it very much. <laughs> Flying microchips the size of a grain of sand could be used for population surveillance. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck this story. Fuck the person who wrote it. <laughs> Fuck those micro microchip little grains of sand or rice or whatever the fuck you said. Uh-huh. Fuck all of that. Yeah. I'm looking Go at one and it's smaller than the tip of a pencil. And it's a flying surveillance drone. You know, I don't know a whole hell of a lot about how it works other than it's a microchip with sensory devices. And yeah. they can be activated by uh, the radio signal. So, like, this is old technology now. You have a microchip with an antenna, and then you send it a signal. And the same uh, antenna is used to power it, and then it can talk back through the antenna with power that it stores in a capacitor. Woo! That's how, so you, that's how you... We're sending it at energy via a radio frequency? Via radio waves. This is the same way that your your contactless credit card that you have to bang on the fucking credit card reader. Uh-huh. It's the the reader is sending the contactless credit card power via a radio frequency. Yeah, and then it uses that to respond. And so that chip is literally a mini computer. It's a mini computer. Wow. Suck my dick. Yeah. What the fuck? Fuck these chips. Fuck every. You know what? Tyler Durden was right. Let's EMP everything. <laughs> Fucking EMP everything. No, I'm just kidding. But um, but part of me goes like, man, as much as I love technology, which I do. Fucking solar flare, all of this shit. <laughs> it's gone too far. It's gone too far. Like fucking fry all of it. It needs to. We need a hard reset. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna reel you back a little bit. I'm gonna make this a little less painful. Okay. They say flying. You know those helicopter seeds from like maples or whatever. Yeah. Uh, oaks or something. Yeah, the helicopter falling seeds and fall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. used to imagine they were little blades falling. I don't know why they'd cut you up. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they um uh they technic those things technically fly. Because they displace air to create lift. And then they Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um these things, you would drop them like millions of them out of a plane, and they would fall very slowly towards the earth and disperse in the wind. You know what's crazy? Okay. Believe it or not, this has really um struck a chord with me. I swear to God, in like Wired magazine or wired online it might not have been wired but it was some sort of like fucking media outlet for technology i read an article about this like five years ago mm -hmm. where they were like we well so this must have been when they were first like prototyping the concept or something because they were like oh we would basically dust an area with them yeah but and their thing was like oh for like missing person searches we could fucking dust a forest in certain areas that are hard to reach Mm -hmm. or like shit like that here's my question yeah how the fuck how the fuck do it they got to exist in sort of some sort of a neural network 
where they're like, they are all communicating with some central server. And that thing is like, slap. Like, where's the thing's camera? Is it a 360 degree camera? Is it a little pinpoint camera? How, what if it just ends up staring at the ground? How do you cycle through well, these? They, it's they just crazy. Get, they get information as the, and this is what I understand of it, is they get the information as they're flying down. And each yeah. one collects a tiny amount of information, and then all of the information is collated into one bigger... Into um, a composite file of some sort. Yeah. So you could use these to measure radiation. You could use them to, to survey an area. You could use them to measure pollution. You know, you, you'd have to configure them to do oh, that yeah. job. It's not yeah. like each one has a, you know, it's got a photo sensor on it, but it doesn't have like a full blown so many megapixel camera. Yeah, of course. Even though, even though I should have known that, I still was picturing them all as cameras. Um, okay, of course, because the word surveillance doesn't necessarily mean camera. Yeah, you can scale this. This the really cool thing about this story is they made a shape that is more effective at generating lift as it falls. Than those seeds, uh, it, it is maximally efficient for so our those fuckers Really, like really nice, slow, controlled descent. Yeah, interesting. And you could you could feasibly scale that up and have a slightly more complicated probe swarm that yeah. um, that falls a little bit faster, but still collects a shit ton of data. Yeah, you know where I think these are going to get their... Probe swarm. I think they're going to get a lot of use out of irradiated areas. Yeah, Because sure. you could put a little Geiger counter on each one. And map out and map out things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So for those... I mean, for every, you know, for every technology, they both can be used for evil and good. And that mm -hmm. is one of the positives. I can see that where, like, you know... There, there is definitely positive applications to the technology, right? I can yeah, see but that. it's really nightmare fuel. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 word probe swarms that kind of sums it up are you ready for the probes you ready for the swarms of probes everybody don't worry it's like dust sprinkling on you it's no you won't even deal. notice it yeah yeah and uh then we're gonna create them that can deliver like uh aerosolized aerosolized uh, psychiatric drugs <laughs> no, they're just gonna fly right into your ear <laughs> and start talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yep. Use the Elon Musk neural technology and just get right in there and search for those dissonant thoughts. Yeah, and just turn them up. Just turn oh, them up, <laughs> dude. I I really feel like one of these days we should just take every horrible idea we've ever had on the show and like, just start writing some of the new best science fiction people have ever heard. Like, no, it's really just news stories that we freaked out about, but you know, yeah. <laughs> don't worry. Close. 50 years. It, you know, they won't be classics cause they'll just be like, history. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the amazing thing about a lot of sci-fi is like the stuff they imagined we would be able to do 50 years ago. We've surpassed it or, like, achieved a lot of it. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, like, just cell phones. Like, if you if you want to sit and meditate on how fucking crazy the world is, look at your cell phone. Just, like, yeah. sit in front of it in the Buddha pose with it on a chair. Stare <laughs> at it. 
think about all of the parts <laughs> and where they all came from and all of the ways that it connects. Yeah. It's fucking nonsense. And then picture it uh, growing legs and like crawling up to the base of your spine where your head meets your spine and just like fucking you right in your brainstem. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's pretty much what it does. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right, here's our fun story. Okay. This is the one about New Zealand that we foretold. Fantastic. That was good foreshadowing. New Zealand police arrest pair trying to enter Auckland, Auckland with large amount of KFC. <laughs> the two men have chick- been... Chicken smugglers? Yeah, chicken, Kentucky Fried Chicken Smuggling. Two men have been arrested after police said they found them in a car, found them with, they found them with a car boot full, boot meaning trunk, yeah, of Kentucky Fried Chicken and over $100,000 in cash as they what? tried to cross the border into Auckland despite New Zealand's strict COVID-19 lockdown. If you don't know this, New Zealand has... <laughs> just locked their fucking country down. I don't even think you can still get in there. Um, yeah. And then the basically the city, Auckland is, or Auckland, I don't know, to our one New Zealand listener, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, please tell us how to pronounce it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I don't know, this story makes me speechless. I don't know what else to say. They had a hundred thousand dollars of money from bootleg fucking Kentucky Fried Chicken and McDonald's. Yeah, here's what I'm gonna say about it. These are fucking pimps. <laughs> you are you're rolling with over a hundred thousand dollars in cash and like a year's supply of KFC. Like I don't know what kind of shit you're up to. But you're maximizing life. <laughs> you are fucking doing... Like, I, I wish I were those people except for the fact that they got caught. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever you... The Kentucky Fried Chicken Hustle in New Zealand, right? Like... Uh-huh. That's, that's the gang smuggles chicken right there. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, that's, a, that's an episode of It's Always Sunny, dude. Like, what is going on? Um. Okay. So I got to wonder, now that you brought up the lockdown, though, I have to wonder if the lockdown sort of perpetuated conditions by which they could become chicken hustlers, chicken Absolutely. money hustlers. In the, city, in the city that they were smuggling this stuff into, um, all restaurants and food delivery is prohibited. Oh shit! So they're running an underground chicken ring. Like I knew it. Like I knew, but I couldn't. I was. I'd be like, why? So it's because in Auckland or Auckland or whatever, you can't order fucking those. So those restaurants are essentially just shut down. Yeah. But yeah. the outlying, the less densely populated areas of New Zealand are not as under a not under as strict a lockdown. I think they said well, this one's like level four. So you know there's got to be at least three less restrictive levels. Yeah, that's crazy. And and frankly, dude, if you're a gangster in New Zealand or a hustler in New Zealand, I don't know why you're not on your chicken hustle. Yeah. Quite frankly, these guys had 100 grand. And chicken left over. Who knows what they were bringing... 
Okay, why did they, they were still about have... to make more money? Is what was happening. They were going to make a lot more money. <laughs> they were going to hustle that fucking chicken, dude. Um, my whole deal is usually when you go to pick up, which they must have been returning from their their re up, so mm-hmm. to speak. Anyone who's familiar with drug talk knows what I'm saying. They were going to re up. How is it that they still had a hundred thousand dollars on them? How much money did they bring? What were they selling? Fucking. Something that you can only get in Auckland to the people who can't get in? I bet you they were. <laughs> That's why they had a hundred grand on them. They brought something from Auckland fucking to the outer territories. I'm saying these people are pimp. Straight pimping. That's how I feel. And that's the show. 